Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples under me. O Lord, what is man that you regard him, or the son of man that you think of him? Man is like a breath, his days are like a passing shadow. Bow your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so that they may smoke. Flash forth the lightning and scatter them. Send out your arrows and rout them. Stretch out your hand from on high. Rescue me and deliver me from the many waters, from the hands of foreigners, whose mouths speak lies and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. Those are the first eight verses of Psalm 148, 44, sorry, Along with Psalm 137, those are the psalms appointed for today, Saturday, October the 9th, 2021. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along. We have finished with our look at the lives of the kings of Israel, and now we are moving forward, and we're in the book of Jeremiah, the 35th chapter, the 1st through the 9th verse. And then in uh, the epistle, the first epistle uh, of Paul to the Corinthian church, chapter 12, starting at verse 27 and ending in chapter 13, verse 3. And in Matthew's gospel, chapter 9, verse 35 through the 10th chapter, verse 4. So we're looking at, uh, we finished our look yesterday at the uh, kings of Israel. And, and what we saw was is that, that the um, king nebuchadnezzar of babylon has come and and has made a vassal king there and then routed the city and then took away thousands of captives from that place and so we we now are moving into jeremiah who's living at that time and so jeremiah now is speaking a a word to the people of god he says the word that came to jeremiah from the lord in the days of jehoiakim which is the next to last king the son of Josiah, king of Judah. And remember, Josiah was the greatest reformer in Israel's history, and his son then reversed everything that he did. The, the place absolutely went to pieces under Jehoiakim and finished up under Jehoiachin, and then the vassal king, Mataniah, who was renamed by the king of Babylon, Zedekiah. It's, so we're at the end and so what is said is, is a very strange little passage here, to be honest with you. So, um, so the word comes to Jeremiah and says, go to the house of the Rechabites and speak with them and bring them to the house of the Lord into one of the chambers, then offer them wine to drink. Okay. So there's multiple things going on here. Um, who are these people? Who are, the, who are these Rechabite people? Well, they're a nomadic group of, of Jews who strictly kept the Mosaic law. They um, they had a uh, they, they existed at least into the 19th century. They were found a group of these Rechabite people who who absolutely identify a, as that way, and they were in near Mecca, actually in Arabia, and they they had they kept the law purely. They they spoke at that time Arabic and a little Hebrew, and like I said, this is 1828. Um, a, an English missionary named Dr. Wolf found them there, and there were about 60,000 of them. Even in 1828, I mean, they have persevered down through the years, which is a testament to the covenant that God had with the Rechabite people. So it, it's, a, it's a part of Israel, but it's a particular tribe that's a, sort of a separatist tribe. They had been in the northern kingdom, and you're going to see in a minute that they come down into the southern kingdom, down into Judah, into Jerusalem for, um, for safety sake. It's an it's a really odd little group that nobody talks about, nobody even thinks about. Like I said, they lived a nomadic existence. They didn't really set up 
places and cities to be. So, so I took Jezaniah, the son of Jeremiah, son of Habazaniah, and his brothers and all his sons and the whole house of the Rechabites. So all of them. I brought them to the house of the Lord into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the son of Igdaliah, the man of God, who would have been the priest, which was near the chamber of the officials, above the chamber of Masiah, the son of Shalom, keeper of the threshold. So this is he would he would have been the person who stood outside, and you couldn't come into the temple precincts unless you passed through the threshold and and were found to be in a state of ritual cleanness that you could come in. Then I set before the Rechabites pitchers full of wine and cups, and I said to them, Drink wine. But they answered, We'll drink no wine, for Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, You shall not drink wine, neither you nor your sons forever. You shall not build a house, you shall not sow seed, you shall not plant or have a vineyard, but you shall live in tents all your days, that you may live many days in the land where you sojourn. So they were they were sojourners is the way they saw themselves. That that was the way that they had been taught, that they were sojourners in the land. They were not people who, who had fixed dwelling places. And because they didn't have fixed dwelling places, then they, they didn't do the things that people do who have fixed dwelling places. They didn't settle. They didn't plant crops. They didn't do all that kind of stuff. They were an, a movable feast. They said, we've obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he commanded us to drink no wine all our days ourselves, our wives, our sons, or our daughters, and not to build houses to dwell in. We have no vineyard or field or seed, but we have lived in tents and have obeyed and done all that Jonadab, our father, commanded us. But when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against the land, we said, Come, let us go to Jerusalem for fear of the army of the Chaldeans and the army of the Syrians. So we're living in Jerusalem. In other words, they were there for safety reasons, not for any other reason. They didn't intend to, to take up permanent residence there. And then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Go and say to the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will you not receive instruction and listen to my words, declares the Lord? The command that Jonadab, the son of Rechab, gave to his sons to drink no wine has been kept, and they drink none to this day, for they have obeyed their father's command. Now, why Jonadab said don't drink wine, I don't know. <laughs> That's not part of the Mosaic law, and nor is that what it says here. It says, for they obeyed their father's command. I have spoken to you persistently, but you have not listened to me. I have sent you all my servants, the prophets, sending them persistently, saying, Turn now every one of you from your evil ways and amend your deeds, and do not go after other gods to serve them, and then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to you and your fathers. But you did not incline your ear or listen to me. The sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have kept the command that their father gave them, but this people has not obeyed me. I mean, he, he's marveling at the faithfulness of these people and the obedience of these people to the command that they had been given. He said, therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I'm bringing upon Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the disaster that I have pronounced against them because I've spoken to them and they have not listened. I've called to them and they've not answered, but to the house of Rechab, <coughs> to the Rechabites, Jeremiah said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, because you've obeyed the command of Jonadab your father and kept all his precepts and done all he commanded you, therefore thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab the son of Rechab shall never lack a man to stand before me. So what we've got is God commending these people, the sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, because they obeyed their father's command. I mean, you could look at these people in some ways sort of as um, Anabaptists. They're people who have not really even assimilated into the larger part of Israel, but they've not 
distanced themselves from it either. That they move wherever the Spirit moves them, and they live in in the simplest way possible in order to do this. And so we'll see people who've taken Nazarite vows and things like that, like we believe John the Baptist must have been under a Nazarite vow not to have wine all the days of his life and all that. So we've got these people who have who have taken these kinds of vows, but those vows were short-term. These people, the Rechabites, they've taken a permanent vow not to drink wine, and they won't do it even in the house of the Lord because they're following the commandment that they had been given. They're strictly observing the law. But that's not a bad thing, right? I mean, <laughs> they're, they're doing it because they were told not to, which would point us back, actually, to the garden, right? I mean, they're prohibited from one thing, that, that these people are, that separates them from everybody else, and that is they're not to have wine or strong drink. And so they, they obey that because of it's, put, it's the way of putting a fence around the law. You know, if you're, if you're supposed to avoid drunkenness, you know, the best way to do that is to avoid drinking. And so that's the, the point of these people. But they're, they're an amazing people. And like I said, they persisted and persevered at least into the 19th century. I don't know. I didn't do enough research for this to even determine whether they still do. But it's an amazing reality. Then we move into this the gospel lesson today. Jesus is going throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction. I mean, wouldn't you love that to see that now? <laughs> um, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, for they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The, as he's going to say later in Matthew's gospel, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. And so it, it, it's because they tie up these burdens on people that they're not willing to bear themselves. And so they're they're loading more and more onto the people. The the people of Rechabites had had one thing they had to pay attention to, not 613. I mean, the, out of the one, I'm sure flowed all the others, but they were careful to avoid that those the, those mistakes, and they were careful to obey what they had been given to obey. And here, what Jesus is seeing is is that that more and more and more is being tied up on these people. They're they're bound by so many commandments that it's absolutely ridiculous. And and, and the the Pharisees, he says, you you don't even keep those things, and you're certainly not keeping the spirit of any of those things. And so these people are, are with diseases and everything else. And, and so he sees and has great compassion on them in order to heal them. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest and send out laborers into the harvest. And that's exactly the way that we should be looking at things in our day today. You you see that people are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, especially in the time we live in right now. And we, the church, need to be those people, we the the people of God, um, need to be those people who, who are bringing that comfort and compassion and love, and, and speaking words of comfort, and speaking the, the gospel, and explaining that all things are in God's hand, explaining the, the wonder of the sovereignty of God in all things, and his providence in all things as well, and assuring people that these things are actually under control, that seem like they're spinning out of control. And then he called to them twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. And then we get a listing of the twelve. Simon called Peter, Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. So we're called to be sort of these modern-day Rechabites. We are, we are called to be those who are, are part of, but also distinct from, 
the world. And, and, and in that way, we are to be the example par excellence that, to the world of what it means to live under the rule and reign of Christ, who is our King and our Savior. And so that, that's the call for us as the church, as the people of God, to, to be like these Rechabites that we see in the Jeremiah passage, these people who are not separatists, they live among, their, but they consider themselves to be sojourners in the land, even though they're Israelites. They, they still consider themselves sojourners wherever they are. And that's exactly the attitude we're supposed to take in all our lives. It was the pattern for the ministry and the mission work of Patrick in Ireland. They would come and set up a a, a camp of sorts outside of cities. And, and what they would do was was they would be these people who, who loved one another and, and um, lived out the gospel among themselves, and then they would go in and trade in the city, but, but they, they, they weren't separatists in that they didn't have anything to do with the city. They would go into the city and trade, and they would do those kinds of things, and they would invite and show hospitality to those in the city to come out to them and observe their way of life. And it was the, the belief that in the, the teaching in every single way, which would include teaching and instruction, but it would also be teaching by the way you live, because everything you do teaches. And so that they then won converts, and so that group, that, that camp would grow, and then they would take some of those people, and they would go and do that somewhere else. And so that's the way we're supposed to be. The, the Rechabites are supposed to be those people who show the others what faithfulness looks like. And, and and what that means is that they that they are faithful to God, and in return, that then God is faithful to them as well. They're living out the belief that's based on God's self revelation in Exodus thirty four, that He will bless them through many generations, those who are faithful to Him, and so that's their way of life, and that should be our way of life as well. And in Paul in the in the epistle, he says, now you're the body of Christ and individually members of it. So y'all are the body of Christ. He's speaking to everybody and then speaks into that and says, individually, you're members of that body in the same way that he has talked about yesterday, about the hand, the foot, the eye, all that kind of stuff. And and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. And it's interesting because in some circles, tongues gets elevated to, to the, the greatest gift, or it becomes the thing that's common to everyone, and that's certainly not the way Paul teaches it in any way. But, but he is ordering these things, that, that, that some of these are higher gifts. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, the, the, the apostleship, the prophet, the teacher. <clears throat> those things, he sets those things actually above what we would consider the sort of the charismatic gifts that, that can get valued so highly. And, and the problem is, is that people need to be instructed. They need to understand those other gifts are wonderful things, he says, but urgently desire the higher gifts. And, and so he said, all those things are great, but the, some of these are higher because of their ability to transform society. Some of these are, are gifts inside the church in some ways, and some of them are gifts outside the church because we need apostles. We need those who can bring the gospel those who are sent with a message, that's what an apostle was. 
It wasn't a church word. It was an outside the church word, but it, was, it meant those who were sent with a particular message, and our particular message is the gospel, and so we need people who can, who can gospel the world, and then we need those who can speak truth into the world, prophets. We need those who can understand the times and then who can speak into that and, and, and explain kind of where the world is going. And, and if you follow this path, where is it going to lead? And they can, they can help guide and lead the church through their clarity of vision and understanding of the times. Then we need teachers, he says. People, once they've heard the gospel and understood the gospel, and, and, and now they need to be instructed in the way. And then those who can work miracles. And then the other sign gifts is what they're sometimes called. But Paul says... It, it, in all those things, there's something actually that's more important than any of those, and this is the thing that needs to bind all those things together. That these things are great, but they have to be bound together in a, in a specific kind of way. He says, if I speak in the tongues, I'll show you a more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. If you're doing it for yourself, if you're doing it for your own self-glorification, Paul says you're nothing. Nothing at all. It's, it's not even helpful. So no matter what gifts you have, however great they may be, if you don't have love, then it's a worthless thing. So be careful in the exercise of your gifts to make sure that above all things, there's love. And the Rechabites didn't condemn those people around them. The Rechabites just were. They, 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 they lived among without condemning that which was without. They just were obedient, and they just continued and lived their lives as they had been instructed and in a way they believed was right, and they saw the blessing of God on their lives, and, and that was all that was to them. And so that's the kind of people we need to be as well. We need to not condemn the world. It's not our job. It's not our purpose. We're come to show the world a better way and to teach the world a better way. Oh, 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 o